Welcome to the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Don Sadler. My guest for today's episode is Ben Smithy of the Smithy Group, a digital marketing agency. Ben runs a successful company with a growing team, but it wasn't always that way. Years ago, Ben found himself running an agency that served Fortune 500 clients, but he was stressed out, burned out, and as he says, ready to pull the parachute on the whole thing. In today's episode, Ben talks about how he completely rebuilt his agency to be bigger, faster, and stronger by putting God at the center. Ben shares the ups and downs he experienced in building and growing a business with a transparency that's raw, inspiring, and real. If you are feeling stressed out or burned out in your own career or business, Ben's story is sure to give you practical steps to pivot so you, too, can thrive in your calling. You can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Ben online at donsadler.com slash 018. The Your Purpose is Calling podcast is brought to you by the Bold Visions Brave Warriors Coaching System, helping Christians create vision, commit to action, and conquer their goals to achieve their God-given calling. For more information, visit boldvisionsbravewarriors.com. And now, let's meet Ben. Hi, Ben. Welcome to the show. Hey, Don. How's it going? Good, good. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Um, This topic is something that I know resonates really deeply with me personally, and I think it's going to be really profound for a lot of our listeners and really be a blessing for them as well. So um, for our listeners who don't already know who you are and uh, what you do, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, well, welcome and hi, everybody. Uh, Thanks for joining in. Um, My name is Ben Smithy. I run a digital marketing agency here in New York called The Smithy Group. Um, We're a boutique digital marketing agency. We do everything from web, email, social, digital, everything that you can imagine that a small and medium-sized business would need uh, in today's sort of digital economy. That's amazing. How did you get into that? Um, (laughs) I guess the the, the short, or I guess there is no real short answer, but uh, the... (laughs) It's been a while coming, several iterations. Um, I started this company in February 2015. Um, and previously, it, it really kind of is a pivot from uh, an original company that I uh, co-founded with my uh, with my first business partner back in November 2009, I believe it was. Um, and in that business, we were doing new product development and consumer insights work for really big companies. So, you know, the General Mills, Coke, McDonald's of the world. Um, and that ran its course uh, and pivoted a bit, moved to New York, and then decided I got the bug for consulting again. And the Smithy Group was born originally uh, with a totally different plan than it has manufactured and manifested to be today. That's so great. Um, You... uh you have so many parts of your story. I know we talked about this in the pre-interview last week that we could easily do five to 10 different episodes just of different aspects of your story. One um, that I don't want to skip over because I think it's really important, even though we're not going to be diving into it so much today, is that you actually um, do a lot of work in your community. You're involved with Big Brothers Big Sisters. You lead the business community in your church. You've got a lot of different stuff going on. So just for a little bit of context for our listeners, tell us a little bit more about your your involvement outside of your outside of your business. Yeah, um, I actually really appreciate you bringing that up. Um, so for me, my belief is that, that sort of by the notion that it's easy to make a buck, hard to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm never going to be less busy than I am today, but I always want to make an effort to kind of do things where I feel like a larger calling to. Um, And some of those are the things that you mentioned. So for Big Brothers Big Sisters here in New York City, I'm a big brother in the program now um, in my second year, which is awesome. It's one of the (laughs) the coolest things that I get to do. Uh, Evan, who's my little brother in the program, is amazing. Um, And then I also volunteer. I'm the president of the board for their Young Professionals Committee for that. I serve on the board for the Women's Jewelry Association, which helps advance women in the jewelry and the watch industry. Um, 
serve on an advisory uh, committee for Holt International Adoption, which is one of the largest or the largest and oldest um, Asian uh, international adoption agencies. And then, as you mentioned, uh, Visionaries, which is part of Liberty Church here in New York City. Um, and, and it's the business ministry associated with it, uh, which you know well. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, um, and again, we're going we're gonna to shift gears here in a second, but I think that there's so much that you do that's remarkable. There's also something that you do, and I don't know what you call it, but every year I know that you have a huge drive where you buy um, and you have a bunch of backpacks donated and they're filled up and you actually distribute them throughout New York City. Is that right? Man, this was a total God thing. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> So living in Dallas, you're in your car all the time, <laughs> more than you want to be. Yeah. And yeah. you see homelessness. I moved, I lived downtown for a while and you see homelessness around areas like the Greyhound bus station and the bus terminals and things like that, or the dart light rail systems. But it's not in, in random intersections. You'll see one or two people, right? Um, mm-hmm. But moving to New York City, while I'd spent a lot of time here, living here and being exposed into the elements um, every single day in your commutes, I just saw, and it wasn't, the thing that hurt me wasn't the the homelessness. Well, I, I, I see that and I, I know that. It was the aspect that that then um, felt like people lost hope and they lacked promise in their eyes. Like they, they didn't have a, a promise in their, in their, in their eyes. And as I'd see, and I'd walk past people and that really broke my heart. And I said, okay, well, what can we do? Um, what are things that we can do to help people? So I, a few years ago, um, I started this initiative called, um, 50 packs for promise. And it started out as 50. And I said, you know what? I want to get backpacks and fill them up with all sorts of stuff. I mean, stuff them with stuff. So, and then distribute them around the streets in New York. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to do this by myself, super low key, um, (laughs) which actually parallels to our larger discussion today. Um, I was like, you know, I'm going to do this by myself on my own, just start to do it. Um, And I started reaching out to people about, you know, like, hey, do you have help with this or do you can you get me some of these things? Um, And it just grew and grew and grew. I reached out to uh, a client of ours, uh, VF Corporation, which owns like Jansport and uh, like Vans and Timberland and North Face. Uh, And I asked them, hey, you know, I just spoke at one of their conferences and they're like, hey, uh, is there any way that you could put me in touch with someone over at Jansport? That would be great. We're just to see if they could give us any backpacks, right, for this. Um, otherwise, we're going to have to raise money and go out and buy them. And I get a response, and it's the president of Jansport, and he's like, "Oh, 100 backpacks on the way." And wow. so all of a sudden, I realized uh, I can't do this on my own, yeah. and just made a Facebook group and invited 400 of my closest friends. And, and people from all over just started shipping stuff. And mind you, this was my little tiny apartment in New York city, but, um, we put together a hundred backpacks and then the next year it grew to 200 backpacks. Uh, and so it's going to keep growing and it's, it's, it's exciting. It's something to do and just a small way to make a small dent in the world. That's amazing. Um, I love what you said. It's easy to make a buck, but it's hard to make a difference. Um, and there's so much that you devote yourself to. I, you know, I have the great joy of knowing you personally, and I see that this is something that you live. It's not something that you sort of do to be like, Hey, look at me. This is actually really, really what you walk in every day. And thank you. Um, yeah. And the other thing that I really respect and, and just a little bit of context for our listeners, if it sounds like you take on a lot, you do. And what our, our listeners may or may not know is that you actually travel a lot for your job. And the reason I bring that up is that it would be so easy to say someday I will do something that makes a difference someday when I have more time, someday when I have more money, someday when my business is sold, whatever that is. Um, and so you don't wait. You're like, I can do something today. I'm going to do it today. But I'm just wondering, how do you know, with so many opportunities that must come across your path, how do you know what to say yes to and what to say no to? Hmm. Well, first of all, thank you. I really appreciate that. And that means a lot to me uh, <laughs> for the kind of words. So thank you. Um Second of all, I mean, yeah, that's if I could be known by something, that's it right there. So thank you. That's like <laughs> I had to just take a second there because that's that's it. Um, but I think for me, it always comes back to people. Um, you know, to me, I think that 
the way God gets my attention is through people. Um, and not necessarily just through the opportunities, but through the people that he places in my life. Um, and for that, that's what I say yes to. I end up saying yes to the people, right? The people that ask to, to do something or the people behind an organization. For example, the adoption agency, it wasn't like I was setting out, even though I am adopted, right? I wasn't setting out to say, oh, I need to, to join another uh, committee or something. But I got stuck on one flight, uh, I, I guess over a, over a year now. I got, I got stuck and missed one flight last year. And it happened to be in Dallas, Texas, of all places during the winter where I'm from. Uh, and I met a, a couple that was standing in the line that was re- getting rebooked and ready for the shuttle to go to their hotel, right? That they gave us hotel vouchers for and waiting for the shuttle. I called an Uber uh, and I asked them if they just wanted to share that Uber with me because uh, we were going to the same hotel. So they, they were like super gracious. They got in the Uber. Um, and it turns out that um, Kim Lee was one of the very first Asian adoptees to ever come across with Holt International uh, and is on the board for Holt International and the rest wow. is history. And it's like, God speaks to me through people and those opportunities, right? Whether it was even the email from Jansport or those type of things, I just say yes to that. And I feel um, it, it's one of those things where for me, it's not a choice. It's like, I feel so compelled and convicted to be like, yes, 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 to do that, but then have to show up and make sure that it gets executed. Um, but if I don't feel that, that, like almost desperation that like internal just fire, then I don't commit to it because I don't want to do something that I can't really add value. And I believe that more than I can try to predict those things, I feel like God gives me that direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I think that's uh, super ironic actually. And I a hundred percent get it, but you were saying that it's really the people that, um, that drive that, that drive that decision. And the thing that I think is so interesting about that, um, and this is really where we're going to shift gears on this topic because um, sort of going back in time a few years, I don't know if it's been two or three years now, um, but you and I sat down when we first met. It was you and me and my husband. And we were kind of getting to know each other. And I was asking you what you did. And you had said to me, and I'm paraphrasing here, feel free to correct, but you were saying that you had had an agency with a team of people, offices, the whole thing, and that you had shut it down and you had decided that you didn't need any of that overhead and any of that stress and that you were kind of the Lone Ranger now. And... <laughs> We, we actually have similar um, businesses. I have a marketing agency too. Yeah. It's in a different vertical. And I understood that 100%. Um, and so I just kind of want to dive in there for a little bit. First of all, did I get that right pretty much? Yeah, but I think I said it with even more certainty if I don't <laughs> if I recall. Right. I think you're being nice. I think I was um, not only like certain, but a little bit like... I don't know, like scorned by it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, heck no. There's no yeah. way I'm ever doing that again. Yeah. Um, so just for our list, for the benefit of our, list, of our listeners, tell us, take us back to that experience when you had that, um, you had the team, you had the business, like what was going on that made you so, that was so out of alignment for you? Um, well, Everything I was doing in that business, I was doing for the first time, right? I started it when I was 23, had a business partner. Uh, my business partner was uh, the guy that hired me right out of uh, college and like super great mentor, taught me so much of what I know today. Um, and we grew the business. I was the, the sort of managing partner in the business. I ran the business. Uh, he invested in the business and we grew it. And it was one of those that the business by, by structure is a project-based business based on the industry that it's in. I won't go into all the boring details, but everything is more project related. It's not a typical agency like you and I would have where it's more uh, monthly retainers or anything like that. And so for those of the listeners that may not immediately see what that means, but that means like unpredictable cash in, but as you grow and you hire people, very predictable cash out. So month to month, as we started to grow and try to scale the business, our payroll started to grow and resources were really, really expensive. And you could really only, you couldn't really use any contract resources. You really needed sort of full-time resources to do what you needed. Um, 
But when you looked at projects coming in the door, uh, it was very unpredictable because it was not necessarily these monthly retainers. You didn't know where money was coming from. And it got to a point where scaling was going to take some significant investment. Um, there was uncertainty there. The market was, I wasn't sure where the market was going with it. And it got to a point where it was just not really, it, it became not feasible to scale the business without taking out huge lines to try to grow or other investment and, uh, or give up all the equity, um, while running the company and just decisions had to be made that I, I wasn't really comfortable with taking on at the time. And it, it kind of <laughs> like pulled the parachute. Yeah. Yeah. So that was happening and I I was getting stressed out just hearing you talk about it. (laughs) So you reacted to that. Tell us about your reaction once you closed those doors. Um, My reaction was to honestly kind of be like, "Uh, what's something completely different? And, 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 you know, I'm telling you timing, like I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And literally the same week, uh, I got approached by a friend from the industry that I know when I was speaking at conferences said, hey, I'm starting this events company um, and, and I think that you'd be great. Come come here, move to New York, help me start this. And I was like, all right. So ironically, when everybody else moved to New York to kind of like make it and like chase their dreams and stuff, I saw New York as a way to sort of like blend in and just fit in and just, <laughs> just escape everything. Just hide. Just hide. <laughs> yes. And I was like, okay. But that lasted for about a year. And then I got the bug back to go consulting again. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start. I mean, to be honest, I started like the Smithy Group LLC as I moved here. So <laughs> it's a Dallas-based LLC. So it, the bug never really left. It was just being, I was just artificially, uh, you know, putting it in the closet for a while. So a year later, boom, I was like, okay, I'm going to start this consultancy. Um, but by consultancy, I mean me, it's going to be me. I'm going to just do this on my own and just, you know, have a life. <laughs> I'm saying this in air quotes and you'll get it. I'm going to have a lifestyle <laughs> business. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's awesome. I think, um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are probably laughing along with us right now. Yeah, because um, it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, especially people who are like, I'm going to go it alone and have a lifestyle business. And if that's working for you, good on you. But I think a lot of people can probably uh, probably see the humor in that. But um, yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit more about something really profound that you said to me about that time mm-hmm. of deciding to sort of pull back and um, do it yourself. And you said that you were creating a manufactured sense of risk aversion. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you meant by that? Yeah, that um, that was interesting because for all intents and purposes, I was trying to avoid all the, the stress and the quote unquote risk that I saw with building a company and uh, scaling a company and having to hire people and all of those things and the risk of, you know, failing at that or having that stress and all of those things. But at, what I was really doing was risking not fulfilling the actual calling that I was called to. Wow. And that to me is the ultimate risk, right? Yeah. If we know and we feel called by something, that's like getting a word and not, and being unwilling to share it with someone. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, I realized that, and it was just like, you know, I'm, to what you used to said, like I'm manufacturing this risk aversion. Like that's not the spirit that I was designed with. That's not what I was called to be. That's not who I am. That's not my identity. That's not what God's put in my life, my attitude, any of those things. That's just not what the cards uh, are that I'm holding. Um, Yet I tried to mask it and tried to put it down. But, you know, I feel like when God calls you one way, if you if you're a believer and you really are in tune with that and you're walking in that, um, you're not going to be able to avoid the under that that sort of tension that goes with avoiding something and masking it when you're really called to be somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. So um, fast forward to today and you actually have a you have a team, you have a growing team, you have a growing business. Um, you are back to the position you said you would never be in again. <laughs> but but the good news is, is that it's completely different for you today. Tell us how that, tell us how that's different for you today versus your previous experience. Yeah. So today it's, it's interesting. We're, <laughs> we're actually more scalable. We're bigger, um, bigger, faster, stronger than uh, I could have ever imagined. 
And today it was really, it, it goes back to that principle. It's like, okay, if we're going to do this, uh, if we're going to scale, if I'm going to follow this, how am I going to do this? And who are the people that I'm going to do it with? Mm-hmm. And it didn't, it didn't like come to me as this, like, oh, okay, now I'm ready to, to start growing my company. Now I'm ready to start. Now I'm going to, I made this decision. I'm out of this phase, right? I wish it was that uh, <laughs> planned and strategic, but it really wasn't. It was, you know, I was serving at church uh, and I met this guy, Daniel Poena, and we were on the welcome team and we'd stand out in the front in the cold snow, rain, <laughs> heat, whatever it was, we'd stand out in front and hand candy out to people and cards inviting people to come to church. Um, and I met Daniel and really just like fell in love with the guy's spirit, his work ethic, his attitude, everything, and found out we worked in the same type of industry in marketing um, and found a way for us to start working together. <laughs> mm-hmm. And again, it just comes through people. You know, God, God knows what I need to hear and who I need to see and what's going to make me say yes, right? And so it was people. And so Daniel um, and his wife, Elise, started doing contract work and part-time work and then it started growing and now they're full-time and then met Alex from the church and my sister-in-law, Kristen. And it's just like all these people came and all of a sudden it's like, hmm, it doesn't feel risky when I'm doing life with people that I know and love and trust. I feel like they're put in my life via, you know, God's ultimate power and we're running in the same direction. We speak the same language, we're running in the same direction and we have a vision that's bigger than just you know, marketing in a social media post, post by post. Yeah. And so that risk aversion, all of a sudden, like I'm taking risks, but they feel less risky and they more feel like vision fulfillment than risk. Mm. I think the thing that's so remarkable about your story is that I think, you know, a lot of times people kind of get into a business and then they find themselves um, sort of in it and it's not going how they think that it should go or it doesn't look the way they think it should look. And so they think, okay, well, I'm just going to sort of close this down and, and start a different kind of business. Like the, the focus is on the kind of business and not necessarily, mm-hmm. um, shifting how they do business. And so I think that's, again, something so remarkable is that you're in the exact same business you were in before, give or take. Right. Um, but there's mm-hmm. just, completely different perspective. And it feels even like, you know, instead of taking all of that pressure on yourself as I'm responsible for this, um, that it's much more, this is in God's hands and I'm just going to be obedient to the next thing he's asking me to do. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. I think that by design, obviously I tried to minimize some of the stresses. Let's not say risk, let's say stress now that were eating away at me. The things that kept me up at night, right? Wondering when the next paycheck was going to come in. Try to eliminate that. Now we work on monthly retainers, right? Mm -hmm. We still make it like reasonable for small businesses. So we don't put them in long-term contracts, but at least we know that if we're performing, we're getting a monthly like check that's coming in the door. Um, so things like that, uh, bringing on somebody that knows operations and handles operations better than I do. Those things, like taking the, I guess also removing the things that I'm not great at off of my plate instead of forcing myself to do it alone has been a way to remove the risk because it removes the fear and the removes the chances of, of me failing at something that I'm not good at. So to your point, by design, I tried to also design the business a little bit differently to make sure that it was more comfortable, um, yet still stretching me and following the vision that I feel that I've been called to walk in. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And I, I really love, um, something else that we had talked about, which is that, you know, we often talk in the podcast about how, when you are walking in your calling, you cannot help for that to spill out way beyond your work and into your community and into your family and into your church and wherever you go. But you had brought up a really good point that, when you are living outside of your calling, that also spills out into your family and your church and your community. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So when, it's interesting because I feel like when you're, it's, it's that fear versus faith versus faith giving you the ability to fight fear, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that when you're walking in that calling, you are walking in such truth and identity, um, that 
it can't help but spill over into other people seeing that. I think there's a strong thing of when people can see somebody walking in truth, walking in identity um, that is truly God-given and divine, then you know like there's something about that. There's an X factor that draws people to it. But I think that if you're not walking in there, if you're if you're not walking in that vision and truth, there's something that's wrong with you internally that there's going to be that struggle. And that will manifest itself in every single thing, like you mentioned. If I'm not happy at work and I'm not doing what I think I should be doing, if I take a job, right, I'd be the worst employee ever, right? I'd be the most unhappy person. I'd last maybe right. a week before I either quit or got fired. <laughs> right, right. And, and what would that do? Like, say I'm not walking that calling. Well, that's, you know for sure it's going to affect my teammates at work. Um, cause they're going to have to deal with me and my bad attitude about it. Right. It's going to affect me when I get home. Cause all of a sudden Nicole's going to have to hear about my horrible day every single day right. and how unhappy I am. Right. right? I'm not going to really want to volunteer for anything because heck, if I'm already stressed out, why am I going to want to volunteer for something else? I just want my free time to escape from what I'm stressed out about. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's a trickle down effect. And it's just one of those things that I feel like if people are feeling that tension, then something's not right. Like re-audit, do a, like do an audit of where you're at. Do I feel like God is calling me to this? Test that, you know, do some tests and see, is this really where I'm called to be? And if not, do everything in your power to, to try to align your path with the vision. And I'm not saying like before people jump into me, like, oh, I just can't quit my job. And I understand that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's other ways, right, yeah. that you can walk in that vision. It doesn't have to be your nine to five. It can be a side hustle. It can be your volunteer work. Any of these things are going to feed that energy that's going to pass over to everything else that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. What do you think gets in the way the most for entrepreneurs who feel like there's a calling on their lives, but they're not pursuing it? What do you think is the, what, what are some of the things that get in the way? And not fear, not necessarily entrepreneurs. Let me just back up. Just anyone, whether you're an entrepreneur or corporate, what do you think gets in the way? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think fear. I mean, that's the, that's the standard one, right? Um, and worry and doubt and condemnation. I, let's lump that all into the one big bucket, right? Yeah. Of sort of self-talk and naysaying to yourself. And I think that you have to get to a point for some people, it's going to get to a point where they just feel so compelled. And so that's why people have those, like those inflection points in their life where they made a change or they jump ship or they did whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think for some people it takes them like once your back's up against the wall, you're just forced and you make a change and you go after it. And it's the best thing that they've ever done. Um, some people uh, don't need to get that far down the path. They just are, need a little bit of unhappiness and they'll make a change. And for me, that's kind of like where I'm at now is like, I don't need to be anymore. I don't need my back to be against the wall, but I need to be like, mm, let's, uh, <laughs> let's make a change. This isn't feeling right. And I, I'm not working this hard, this long to not feel right about it. Right. Yeah. Um, so fear, doubt, self-talk, condemnation. I think the other thing is, you know, it's different than fear, but I think risk. I think there's a fear, but I think that risk is very transparent today. Mm -hmm. We live in such a transparent digital world, right? And we're both, um, I guess, proponents of it, but also casualties of it. Yeah. And I think that it's a transparent world that we live in and everything has to look, you know, perfectly filtered and great and successful on social media. But you know, you, you, you've seen behind the curtains. Yeah. It's not always glamorous. It's not always heyday. It's not always great. Um, you, you don't always live up to your social media profile in the business world. And that's tough for a lot of people to handle. And it's tough for a lot of people to walk fully in when you have that, that feeds that doubt or that feeds that I'm not good enough or look at, I look at Dawn's business. Everything's perfect in her business. She's growing. She's doing this. She's, I mean, she's able to do this podcast. Like everything's perfect. She has no worries in the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we laugh at that yeah. because even though we know that other people, we, we don't realize that other people probably see us in that same way, yeah. but we criticize ourselves and we doubt ourselves. And that right there is, that's tough for me to see because if people would just look at really the chops that they have, and, and just step into it. It's like unstoppable. Like people can be unstoppable. And it just, I just want that. Like I just get amped up just thinking about it. Like I want people to step into their calling because when you're running in that and it's not always, sometimes you, sometimes you, you, you veer out of your lane a little bit and you got a course correct. But when you're running in that lane, then you know it, like it feels so good. Like that's it. Like that's the sweet spot. That's that flow state. That's where you're like, man, this is it. When you feel yourself really aligned. Yeah. 
It's so true that it's come up um, many, many, many times on this podcast, just in, you know, just to sort of set the stage that just because you're walking your calling doesn't mean you don't have any bad days. It doesn't mean you don't have any obstacles, but time and time again, I have asked people on this podcast, what keeps you in it on your worst day? And it's always because I know this is exactly where God wants me to be. And I know he's here with me, even if it looks like a mess right now. And so, um, I think that's brilliant. Um, so let's just talk practical for a minute. What would you tell if there's somebody and maybe they're listening to this and they're like, yes, that is me. I want to get out of this miserable job. I want to, you know, whatever I want to, I want to, I want to run in my lane. Um, but I, I, I just don't know where to start. What are three practical things that you would tell somebody about stepping into their calling? The first is a pretty like, just like blunt force trauma (laughs) to the ego. Um, you got to strip it away. You got to strip away the ego about and really understand that why behind it. Um, a lot of us say that it's because of one thing, but they don't understand that there's an ego that's driving it or a material thing that's driving it, or is it really God's calling for this thing? Right. And I think a lot of people get that mixed up with passion. Mm. There's a difference between passion and purpose. Yeah. And I can be passionate. I'm really passionate about baseball. I'm really <laughs> passionate about baseball. I love baseball. Texas Rangers are my team, even when they stink, but I love baseball. Yeah. But I'm not going to be a professional baseball player. And that's not the path and the purpose that God's given me. Right. So if we confuse passion for purpose, because we feel like in today's startup society where everybody can be an entrepreneur, everybody can follow their passion and start their blog and all that stuff, right? right. If we confuse that and we don't strip away the ego of this is what I want, and really get down to the core of what is it that God wants, mm. we can falter. Yeah. And you're going to fall flat on your face. And it's not going to be fulfilling because you're going to realize like as soon as you achieve that passion, it's not fulfilling anymore. But if you're following your purpose, it's renewing and it's exponentially growing in its fulfillment. Yeah. Let me interrupt you real quick before we get to the other two, because you have a lot of wisdom, but I want to come back to the flip side of that. Like, is this God's calling? Understanding what that is. But what would you say to the people who are like, I'm just going to sit here because I'm not sure (laughs) if this is God's calling for my (laughs) life. So I'm just going to sit and wait right here until I get a thunderbolt from the sky. I feel like I run into that all the time and I've probably been guilty of it. What would you say to somebody who's maybe on that side of it? Hmm. Have you ever um, driven a car with a power steering out? No. Sounds scary. So if, you, if you've ever been in an old car without power steering yeah. or something that doesn't have power steering, if you're at a stop and you're trying to turn the wheel, you got to really crank on it, right? You got to put all your might into trying to turn the wheel and get it to go. Yeah. However, once you're moving and you're trying to make, and there's no way you can make Like if I'm trying to make just a slight adjustment left and the car is parked and I'm trying to turn it without power steering, there's no way you're going to make that slight adjustment. It's only big, heavy movements that you can make through brute force. But once that car is moving and rolling down the road, you can barely turn the wheel even without power steering and make slight adjustments, right? Or big adjustments, whatever you choose. And so what I equate that to is in life, if you're paralyzed in that analysis paralysis, I don't know what it is, just start moving. Just start going in a direction. And you can course correct, right? Failure is not course correcting. Failure is like not doing anything. To me, that's failure. And so if you sit there and you think about it, you have no room to actually explore or get feedback or resonance on, is this what I should be doing? Is this what God's calling me to be doing? Just start moving. Start taking one step, two steps, three steps. And as you go from there, it's easier to turn the wheel. It's easier to course correct. It's easier to grow and make adjustments. And I think, I think that's so brilliant. And I think also just that, you know, I I hear all the time, I don't want to go down that path because if God's not there, then, you know, whatever, but God is not, God's with us. He's not in that job or that business or whatever. He's with us and he's big enough to, as you said, redirect if we need to redirect. Um, So I think that's good. What other advice? What are two more things you would, practical things that you would tell someone who wants to step into their calling? Yeah. And oh, by the way, the person that's afraid to do something and feels like, oh, what if God's not there? Like, I would venture to say they're probably doing something unless they're perfect. They're probably doing other things in life that they don't consult God about before they they choose which brand of toothpaste that they make or any of these other things. Right. So, I mean, come on, like, let's not 
let's not overly spiritualize the action part that we have to take. Amen. Right? Amen. Just move. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Um, the second thing I think is uh, really surrounding yourself with people that are going to breathe into that because there's going to be dark days. There's going to be tough times. And if you're wanting to get going and you're wanting to step into this and this is you, look at who, who you're seeking wise counsel from. Um, I realize that as a consultant and as, as you know, like when you're a consultant, if you take an audit of your life, how much time you spend giving other people advice Mm -hmm. versus how much time you spend seeking advice for yourself, Mm -hmm. consultants are the worst like people because we don't seek wise counsel as often as we should. Yeah, it's true. And if I think of it, I'm like, man, I I did an audit of this recently. I'm like, man, I need to find the right people that I want in the network to, to really be giving us wise counsel as we scale and we grow and develop because you can't go alone. You can't because it'll be really dark at times and you got to have someone that's going to help pull you through or talk some sense into you. Right. Um, and I never realized how important that was until I actually had it. And, you know, through Nicole, she's the biggest supporter. Like she's unfazed. She has more, she has more confidence in in our success than I do even at times. And it's that thing is like when you have someone that breathes into your vision, um, that's tangible that you can sit there and hold their hand and hug them. Uh, that's, that's a pillar, like unlike anything else you could imagine. So find wise counsel, um, and listen to wise counsel, right? Don't be too big to, uh, take great advice that's better than your own. Yeah. And just to jump in, for those who don't know you, Nicole is your brand new wife. Um, yes. You are a newlywed. And I like to take credit for that, by the way. <laughs> you you 100% do get credit for that. Thank um, you and that's much. not just saying it because I've heard this story <laughs> that she's, you were talking to her and she said, you know, hey, visionaries, you should come to visionaries. Yeah. And so you definitely get credit. The backstory um, back, back for our listeners is that. Um, uh, when I was involved in Visionaries, I asked Ben to come and be a, a guest speaker at one of our events. And Nicole, his now wife, uh, that was the first time they met. She came and they met and now they're married. And I am responsible. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Seriously, like if there's one person that gets the credit for the introduction of that, I mean, you were the catalyst of that. See? Thank you. Thank you. It's all about people, yeah, Don. It's people in my life. You follow the people. <laughs> <laughs> and now you lead Visionaries. So the story, <laughs> it's, no, it does. It continues to get more and more exciting all the time. So, um, so that's great. So, uh, one more, one more practical thing that people can do. Cause I keep interrupting you. One more practical thing that. No, this is great. I'm having so much fun. Yeah. Um, the third thing I would say is, <laughs> and not to be cliche, but it's just truth. And there's no more truth than the truth is just spend time in the word and spend time, um, in solitude around in the word and reading and praying. Um, if we have time for a story, like I'll tell you, like yeah. being in the word every day, uh, has truly, truly changed my life for the better. Um, there's, I think there's a difference between being a, a Christian and a follower of Jesus, but then being one that's like studious about it and diving into it and hungry. Um, and I started reading more when I saw, obviously, my wife, uh, who is the most disciplined person I know. Uh, she's up every morning between 5 and 5.30 in the Word. Um, we have 5 a.m. worship in our house. Uh, <laughs> so uh, there's that, and then she's in the Word. And it's not something that she just preaches about on Sundays. It's something that she lives out every single day. And so for me, that got me more in the word and just being around it, right? And just being in it and being more disciplined. Um, And last year, uh, I I think you learn things along the way from being in there. And you learn things anecdotally and you learn things that God tells you, not even just through the words, but through the just practice of being in it. And last year was one of those things where it gave me a a true sense of my identity. and for that, it was interesting. I was in the, I was reading in the word and, and we were going up to our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And, uh, Nicole brought home the, this book and, and I know you're going to ask me later what one of the books is. Well, this is one of the books. I'll give you another one, but fasting by Jensen Franklin. Mm-hmm. And she gave me this book. And if you know me, you know, I eat a bunch of junk food and <laughs> I, I, I like to eat a lot of food and I'm a huge meat eater. And I try to compensate that by going to the gym. And I tell myself that that's good enough to make up for it all. Um, <laughs> don't, don't spoil my dreams, Don. Um, so I'm sitting there 
And she gets me the book. And I'm like, oh, yay. Thanks, babe. And then the book sat on the coffee table for like two weeks leading up to the fast. And I'm in the <laughs> word one day and God tells me, read the book. Yeah. And so I shut my Bible and I pick up the book. And like two hours later, I'm in tears, finish the book. And I was so expectant, right? Yeah. And I was so expectant. And, and, and this is entrepreneurship, like this parallels entrepreneurship. I'm so expectant. I'm ready for the fast. I'm excited to not eat. I'm excited for all this stuff. And in the middle of the fast, I'm, I'm praying for breakthroughs and growth in the company. And in the middle of the fast, and I told you this story, we, we lost like three or four of our biggest clients. And this is in the middle of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I'm sitting here and I'm literally like, what is going on? I'm, you lost I, some of your biggest clients. Yeah. Yeah. Three yeah. to four of our biggest clients in the middle of the fast. Yeah. And I, I'm sitting here and I'm like, what is going on? What is happening? And I remember having this conversation and I was like, God, I'm doing everything that you're asking. I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm like, I'm letting things go. I'm fasting. I'm, I'm, I'm praying. I'm spending more time in the word. You, you've called me to, to, to build this company and make a name so we can do these things and do things for you. How am I going to make a name for myself? How are people going to know my name if we can't even get this right or we can't grow the company? And God basically <laughs> redirected me uh, very quickly and said, you know what? I know your name and it's son. Who else needs to know your name? Wow. And I was like, oh, got it. Heard you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and from that, it taught me a lesson that I was quickly potentially going back to the old days of thinking about how can I do this or how can I grow this or how can I do this that I did in the first company versus saying like, you know what, God, this is your company. This is your blessing that you've laid out in my life. What do you want me to do with it? How do you want me to steward this? And since then, like the prayers, how I pray about the business has changed. And for me, being in the, if I wasn't in the word, if I wasn't really in there, if I wasn't taking that time, I would have just worked right past it. Yeah. And it's just such a, it's a meaningful thing. And the more you, like, you won't understand it until you do it, unfortunately. It's one of those things that you can't just see, you can hear about, but you won't be compelled by it until you just do it. So I just, I hope that one person listening, like, this is the encouragement that they need to just do it and dive in every single day. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And I just want to go back to that um, real quick. We're going to get into our final five in just a minute. But as somebody who has walked through what it means to see your biggest clients walk out the door, you know, I, I feel like sometimes the conversation is, oh, I had, you know, I lost some of my biggest clients and uh, and people kind of gloss over it. It is real. Like mm -hmm. that moment is real. And um, And I know that you and I talked about what, it, you know, just trusting. And as you just said, trusting God in that time. But what I also want our listeners to know, and again, you and I have talked about that, is that what God fills that gap in with is so much better mm. always. It's like this pruning season. And I just, I just felt to really speak some encouragement to any of our listeners who might be walking um, through that right now, because you and I have each walked through it. And um, just knowing that God is faithful. He's so faithful. Yes, 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 and amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Like when that's all stripped away and you know, like I've had ups and downs in business before and I've always been left with horrible feelings, mm -hmm. right? At the end of the high, there's a horrible feeling of like, oh, what's next? At the end of the low, there's a horrible feeling of like, oh man, what are we going to do tomorrow? How are we yeah. going to pay bills? Um, but when you're really walking in your vision, I can just, I, I can only just tell you this and you just got to believe it until you experience it yourself. When you go through that pruning season, you sit there and you're left with greater identity than you, than you even had when you started it. So true. And it's just so one of those true. things that if you just experience it and you're walking and you're walking in like right in your, in your lane where God has you, you're pruned and you're left actually with a greater and stronger identity because it's rooted in him than you ever had before you even went through that pruning season. And it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yes. And amen. I can attest to that. And I just feel like there's, I just, I got chills. Like there's listeners right now, just like probably in tears, just saying I, that was exactly what I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for, for talking to us about that. So, um, again, we could go on for a really long time, but unfortunately <laughs> we have to, uh, we have to wrap this up and we always like to wrap up our podcast episodes with the final five, five questions designed to resource our listeners. Um, so starting with other than the Bible, what's one book that changed your life and why? So you got the bonus, which was fasting by Jensen, Jensen Franklin, uh, start with why Simon Sinek. Mm. 
It's a, it's a, it's an easy one, right? Don't just watch the Ted talk for a while. I just watched the Ted talk and I thought, oh, that's good enough. Read the book. It's really good. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, and uh, we will include links to these resources in our show notes. Um, what podcast are you listening to now and why? Mm, other than yours, Don? <laughs> no, seriously. I <laughs> listened you. to the one uh, with Stephanie about the dessert tours the other day. It was awesome. And I've taken the dessert tour. So go take the dessert tour. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, they're great. You will not regret it. Um, but no, podcasts. Um, so I like, I like Tim Ferriss' stuff on podcast. Uh, even more than I like his books because he really dives in and talks to people. Again, not some of them are not all of them are like uh, rated G safer work. So you got to pick and choose, right? Um, yeah. But his stuff, his interviews are are really really good. I like his interviews on that. Um, also, it's not a podcast, if you will, but I've been really into and Nicole turned me onto this. Uh, and Danny Best from Upper West Side actually mentioned it too. The Bible Project videos. Hmm. It's awesome. They're like, they're really, really good. Um, download the app or look at the videos. It's called the Bible project. Um, and I'm going through that series of the videos as I read every day. Awesome. What's your favorite Bible verse and why? Mm. Uh, I got two. Can I give you two? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Um, so, uh, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. Yes. And that right there, I've been at that moment <laughs> so many times where God is like, how much do you trust me? How much yeah. do you believe? Right? Do you believe it enough to, to, to believe that you already have received it? Yeah. And that right there, that's okay. faith, that's entrepreneurship, that's life, that's relationships, that's all of those things. That's love, right? That's, that's yeah. the epitome of love right there. And so that's, that's a hard one. Um, but I think if from, uh, in terms of just another verse that just rings out to me, it's just one of those things that's just so so much transparently truth is uh, John eight twelve, um, when Jesus is speaking, he says, "I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life." And that's what we're talking about today. That's like, man, if you're on that path, if you're following, if you're truly following, and you're in alignment, um, meaning your heart, your head, your emotions, all of these things are in alignment with Him. Um, you know, that light right there, it leads to life. And I think that that's, that's the ultimate thing, that joy, um, the success, quote unquote, whether it's it, whatever you define success by, those things are, are led by life-giving things and light. And that's Jesus. And I think that that right there is the epitome of it. What's the best business advice you ever heard? Uh, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that like, man... I don't, uh, and I don't mean in that sort of new agey, the secret type stuff, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying right. is like in business, especially, right? If you think you can, you're right. You know, you probably can. If you think you can't, well, you're never going to give yourself a shot. So you're absolutely right. Uh, I think attitude is everything. Attitude reflects leadership. Attitude reflects where you are, you know, how, how, how your alignment is, Right. If you're misaligned, your attitude's going to be off as well. So I think it's one of those things like, man, your, your mindset on how you approach life changes a lot of the outcomes. Yeah, that's so good. Um, and then what advice would you, uh, would you give to somebody who maybe is um, maybe in that pruning season, that season where something just walked out the door and they're like, I do not know what I'm going to do. What advice would you give to them? <sighs> um. Let yourself freak out for a second and get it out of the way, right? <laughs> yeah. Most people try to just play cool, right? Just like I was trying to play risk aversion. Let mm -hmm. yourself have that moment. Like seriously, yeah. go in your room, shut your door, scream, cry, rock back and forth, whatever it takes for you to have that moment. Um, write it down, do whatever you need to do, um, but wrestle with God, right? I think there's something yeah. special about that. Go ahead and be willing to wrestle with God and be like, okay, God, this is, this is what I need. This is what I'm expectant for. This is what I'm believing in. If you, I believe that I'm walking in your path, if I'm not, show me how to show me how to live, right? Show me how to get my life right with how you want me to be walking. And then I'm expecting this from it. I'm expectant of this. I'm believing in this. And take that moment. I think some people try to just gloss over stuff and just pretend like they're okay and get to next steps. But take that moment and live in it. 
you'll appreciate it later when you're out of it, right? You'll look back on it. Um, but take the moment, have a moment for yourself, have a moment between yourself and God and just wrestle for a minute and just live in it. Yeah. So good. So good. Hey, Ben, would you mind taking a moment and just praying over our listeners who might be um, either just struggling to find their calling or the courage to walk in their calling or just to, you know, they're in their calling and they're kind of facing obstacles. That's a whole lot of stuff. This will be a long prayer. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, do you mind just taking a moment to pray Love over to. our listeners? Okay, thanks. <laughs> Father, we just ask you for truth for ultimate mm. truth that wherever our minds go, whether our hearts go, wherever our journeys are taking us, that we seek truth. And Father, in that truth, uh, we see our true calling. We, we trust in you, Lord. We just trust you and we believe in our expectant for the blessings that will come from, from really stepping out and, and walking in our true calling. Father, just make it abundantly clear to those that are tuning in and listening that they have access to ultimate truth they have access to your word they have access to the words and wisdom that you're going to provide for them and let them just to see that and decipher that from the lies that others tell them society tells them or maybe they're telling themselves lord we just ask for that truth to be so transparent uh that they can't help but feel called to it and to follow it and walk in your way then whatever is in their path uh, that you've put in their path let it come to fruition and let it have just ultimate ultimate blessings and the blessings that come along with walking in that path lord we just ask for those that are struggling in this pruning season let them just take a moment and just live in it let them wrestle with you and and father just be be gracious and have mercy on them and let them uh, have a moment, a human moment, and just wrestle with you and then pull them through. Let them follow your light. Show them the light that they can follow through in the path and let them see the just the blessings that come out on the other side of true identity, of true success, of true meaning, and of, of true like just blessings that they're going to shower upon everybody else through walking through that. And Father, I ask that as people walk through that and as people find success and as people find success walking in truth, uh, that they may ultimately lead others to that truth and that they may take those gifts and they take those blessings and use it how you want them to do it. That that not be the end of their journey is at the top of the mountain, but how they send people back up and send people and send people and more people after them, Lord. And it's just that that you empower them to not just only walk in their success, but help lead others to that success. Father, we just pray for Dawn and this podcast and everything that she's doing to reach people. And we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for her voice. We thank you for her reach. And we thank you for her wisdom and just her humility to just have other people on and, and share their stories and to help point everything back to you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ben. Ben, thanks for joining us on the episode today. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Anything you need, you know, it's always a yes. I'd like to thank my guest, Ben Smithy of the Smithy Group, for joining me today. Just a reminder, you can access the show notes for today's episode at donsadler.com slash 018. If you'd like to hear more conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. This show is brought to you by the Bold Visions Brave Warriors Coaching System, helping Christians create vision, commit to action, and conquer their goals to achieve their God-given calling. Learn more at boldvisionsbravewarriors.com. This has been the Your Purpose is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Don Sadler. Thanks for listening.